Welcome to Declaration, where we exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. Here at Declaration, we believe that God has a word for you and for your family, to live a life of fullness and to be faithful to Christ and His church. If you want to know more about who we are at Declaration Church, then I highly encourage you to visit declaration.org. All right, let's dive in this morning. Here we are, week four of Advent, the Sunday before Christmas. I hope you're ready. Is everybody ready? Um, Hey, can I ask you this? Can we honor this team up here? Did they not do an incredible job this morning leading us in worship? We've got two new friends with us today. Uh, Leslie and, and David, we're so excited. We're thankful that they were here with us. All right, so I hope by now you've done your shopping. Anybody, men especially, you've done your shopping. Maybe you're planning uh, the meals. Maybe you're doing all the baking right now, all the things. You're getting ready, you know. Uh, um, I want to ask you, though, as you think about this next week that's coming, I want to humbly once again ask you for something. Would you please consider Christmas Eve? Consider Christmas Eve with your church family. I think it's going to be a powerful, powerful night. The plans have been made. We're excited about what's going to happen. Um, we believe that we're going to have the ability to host the community again, to set the table for many people who may step, they, they may shuffle in here. It's the only time they may step into a church all year, but they're coming because they're searching for hope. They're searching for something that's grounded and rooted. And so I'm going to ask you, would you consider even pray about serving one and then worshiping one with your family. We've got two identical services, three and five. The kids are gonna enjoy it. So make sure that's on your calendar for Christmas Eve. All right, let's jump in. Um, important thing for us to just establish baseline, once again, James 1.17, our theme verse, which is every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Every good thing given comes from the Father of lights, coming down from him with whom no variation, there's no shifting shadow, he's always faithful. Every good and perfect gift, inclusive of what we wanna talk about today. Absolute, unconditional love. The presence of love. And people may not even know it, what they might come in for on Christmas Eve. Um, But I'm telling you right now, what they're going to leave with is a message of unconditional, faithful love. The presence of love. They're going to encounter us together. We will encounter the presence of love. Now think about this for a minute. We often use the word love very, very flippantly, right? What are some of the things that we say that we love? We love coffee. Anybody? Come on. We love pancakes, somebody. Um, We love vacations, hello, in Jesus' name. Um, We love puppies, not kittens, because they're satanic. We love puppies. Um, We love Astros baseball. Can I ask you a question? What is the worst team in the MLB, and why is it the Yankees, right? I mean, why is it the Yankees? Um, For real love. How about love songs? Anybody? Anybody got a love song? Like, that's, the, that's like, you, you hear the song, and you automatically, oh, that, I think about my boo, right? Like, your love song, right? I mean, those songs, those melodies, those creative lyrics, they kind of evoke certain emotions. They will span time and space. All of a sudden, you hear something, and you are transported right back into a moment, into a memory. I mean, let's, let's listen to a few, maybe songs like this. This is the first one right here. Go ahead. Now, now right? Okay, hold on. Now, some of y'all never stop. I know where that song came from, so y'all need to repent. Here's the altar. The altar is open. What about what about the next song? Try that one. Okay. 
What about this one? This is this one. This is my favorite one right here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Next one. I forgot one part of this song. Go ahead and turn that up. Do, do you know that there's a lyric in this song? And I promise, if you listen to it, it sounds like he says, "And if I have to throw up on the floor." Six Grain John, is it the Huntsville, Huntsville Lane's Bowling Alley singing, if I have to throw up on the floor. I never understood that, but if that's what you need. What about this one right here? This is a good one. This one. Go ahead. Wherever you go, whatever you do. I'm surprised y'all aren't singing along. Oh, there he is. She's, she's in it. She's like ninth grade. School dance. Kill that. That's actually prophetic. I don't know if y'all knew this, but Richard Marks was prophetic on that. He could have rewrote it a married version. Like, wherever you go, whatever you do, I'll sit right here in the mall waiting for you. You know, like for the marrieds or whatever it takes, whatever you need. I'll forever wait for you to tell me what you want to eat. Whatever, you know, I mean, I don't know. Songs, they can evoke certain emotions, right? Certain response. There was two songs in our text today. Believe it or not, all that for that, right? Like, sorry, I just had to, but all that for this. There's two songs that I want us to look at today in the text of Luke chapter one. I don't know if you knew that, but there's literally two songs in there. Before we dive into that, let's look at the definition of love. We've been looking at definitions of these words every week. So let's look at this. Love, strong affection for one another arising out of the kinship or personal ties. Attraction based on sexual desire, affection and tenderness felt by lovers. Affection based on admiration, benevolence or common interests. An assurance of affection, warm attachment, enthusiasm, devotion or admiration. Let's go to that next slide. Love continued. Um, a beloved person, a darling, maybe that's what you call your significant other, often uses the term of endearment, unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another, such as the fatherly concern of God for humankind. I like that. Um, brotherly concern for others. I like that. But this is my favorite. And sadly, it's the last one. Love. A person's adoration of God. That's the last definition that Webster gives us for love. And it's actually, I think, the most important definition. Should be number one, right? Love. So today, as we think about the presence of love, even love songs, I want us to consider Luke chapter one, where we see these two. One song is from Mary. It's a song of praise. We see it in Luke one, starting in 46. One song is from Zechariah in Luke 1, starting in 57. Now, let's remember the backstory. You've got Zachariah and Elizabeth. Um, they've lived a lot of life. They're old now. They're in their old age. They're void of children. They're void of culturally, you know, the, what is known as the blessing. They're barren. Um, Zach is visited by the angel Gabriel. You know the story, breaking the silence of God. Um, Zach is just doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's doing his priestly duties. Gabriel comes and says, you're going to have a baby. Um, Zach says, what you talking about, Willis? Because he's like, look, I'm old. She old. She good, but she old. And and, and I'll say, we're going to have a baby now. That's crazy. And, and then, all this, you know, he's, he doesn't believe. So he says, tell me how I can know that for sure. Well, he, here he is, a priest, and he's, he's challenging God. Gabriel says, do you know who I am? Do you know where I stand day in and day out? Do you know who it is that sent me to tell you this? And he, so he renders Zachariah silent. All throughout the pregnancy, nine months. And all the women in the house said, amen. I'm just playing about he He's silent. For nine months, right? Nine months. The consequence of his unbelief. 
And just as Gabriel said, Elizabeth becomes pregnant. Now, upon realizing the news of this blessing, I want us to see what Elizabeth says first. She did not sing a song, but she had a song in her heart. Look at verse 25. It says this. Elizabeth says, how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. So here's her response. She recognizes that it was God who had replaced her barrenness with blessing. And we spent some time talking about that, just maybe hopefully hearing that through the lens of Elizabeth, but hearing that and applying it to our lives, that there might be areas of our life that feel barren, but God can exchange that for a blessing. He is a redeeming God. How kind the Lord is, she says. See, she realizes the privilege of the presence now. I mean, she, she's on the tail end of the generations that lived through 400 years of silence. And, and you know, who is, it, who is she that God is going to break his silence and just pour, I mean, just lavish her life with love like this? Do you see that? Did you, I mean, think about that. I'm on the tail end of 400 years of silence of God and, and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna bless me like this in my old age after I've been waiting and longing and looking and searching and expecting and praying. See, when you understand what the presence of love, when you understand what God has done in you, you can't help but respond to his love. And that's what we see her do because God is doing something so significant in her. But what if the purposes of God, listen to me, what if the purposes of God involved Elizabeth's barrenness for so long? How often do you think she shook her fist at the sky angry at her barrenness? But what if that was in part, what if God's timing was in God's, what if that was God's plan the whole time? Right? Could it be that their waiting pointed to something greater as God's people waited for 400 years, literally for the prophecies to come into fruition? Could it be that this was pointing to even something greater to come? What if all of that was a part of the purpose of God for Zechariah and Elizabeth? Could it be, right? Could it be that somehow even what may have seemed like God's tardiness actually would further one day highlight God's kindness even more? I mean, how loving of God that Elizabeth would finally realize her promise of blessing. That what she had hoped for for so long. That what she had longed for. And not only the blessing for her, but watch this, but a blessing that would literally bless the entire world. Right? She would carry the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah, the prophesied promise. That which she had waited for for so long would not only fulfill her greatest desires, but would come to prepare the way for the world's greatest desires to be fulfilled. This evoked a certain response out of Elizabeth. She saw it. She saw it. She understood the gravity of this moment. How kind the Lord is, she said. How kind he is. Not just for what's happening, but also that he's taken away my disgrace. She's basically saying, it's all worth it right now. Everything that I've endured is worth it in this very second. Now, again, when you realize the presence of God's love, when you understand what God has done in you, you can't help but respond to his love. Elizabeth is overcome with gratitude. She's overcome with appreciation, with deep affection for God. 
Then there's Mary, right? Well, Mary's backstory. Lowly, naive teenage girl, engaged to Joseph from the family line of David. Virgin, like Zachariah, also visited by the angel Gabriel. Gabriel tells her she's highly favored. Do not be afraid. God is with you. Gabriel also says to her, you're going to become pregnant through supernatural means. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. He will come upon you. He's going to anoint you in, in, in this supernatural, profound way that's going to usher in all the, I mean, to bring into fruition the promise of all the prophecies. While she might question this, she does not ask for assurances. She just chooses acceptance and willingness. It's then that Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, which upon her arrival and the greeting, as we saw last week, the anointing on Mary's life causes John to leap within the womb of Elizabeth and immediately fills Elizabeth with the Holy Spirit. Now that is some anointing right there. See, it's here we see Mary's response now to the presence of God's love and God's promise in what's called the Magnificat. It's Mary's song of praise. Look at it with me in verse 46 of Luke chapter one. She says this, Mary responds, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Oh, how my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. She says, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. Now listen to her words. He took notice of this lowly, his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. So she is overwhelmed in this. Who am I? I'm a nobody. From nowhere. I'm just a servant girl. See, she understands that it is God who is now doing something incredibly significant through her life. He's going to use her life. He did something so profound in Elizabeth, but he's about to do something even more significant through Mary. And she understands that she's completely humbled. Who am I that you, God, would choose me? Who am I that God would want to use me in this way? I'm just a teenage nobody. She says, for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. So see, Mary is recognizing that this is God doing something, not just in, but through her, but also it impacts her. In every way, God is doing something for me. Not only does she know God is doing something significant through her, but now she's praising God because she knows he's doing something significant for her. She goes on. He shows mercy from generation to generation. Interestingly enough, this is now coming from the tongue of someone who is on the backside of 400 years of silence. Obviously, she hasn't lived that long, but all of her ancestors have, and the stories have been passed down. Can you imagine some of the things that they have gone through, some of the things that they had endured? And now she's saying, from generation to generation, God has been so faithful. He's been so good. He has shown mercy to all who fear him, to all who revere him, no matter what we think might be our lack. She's relishing in his love right now. His mighty arm has done tremendous thing. He scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. I mean, she is the living epitome of the exaltation of the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He's helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. So now she's looking back even through the 400 and she's going all the way back to Abraham. And she's saying, God has been faithfully God since that moment. He made a promise and he's being faithful. And now he's going to do this through me. 
Whoa, come on. See, when you realize the presence of love, when you understand what God has done through you, you can't help but respond to that love. And here's Mary, completely undone at the thought of God, knowing her, seeing her, choosing her. I mean, to think that the purposes of God included using Mary's life to give birth to the prophesied promise. I mean, isn't it like God to use something so seemingly insignificant to do something so supernaturally significant? You know what? I believe that's our story too. He sees you. He knows you. He chooses you. You may feel completely insignificant and not worthy. You may feel a lot like a lowly teenage naive girl servant but God see it was for the purpose of God because of the kindness and the love of God that that Mary would be chosen to carry Jesus and would not only bless and dramatically change Mary's life but would bless and dramatically change the life of everyone in the entire world this invokes deep feelings of response for Mary which brings forth this song of praise this song of love to God for his kindness for his mercy for his power for his provision for his faithfulness See, when you understand what God has done through you, you can't help but respond to his love. Finally, we get to Zechariah. And he's got his own story. He's got his own song. Remember, he's rendered silent because of his unbelief. Verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. See, at this point, the whole community knows the story. John's still silent, but the community knows the story. Elizabeth, who had been barren her whole life, gives birth to this miraculous blessing, which fills her friends and her family with great joy because of what God is doing, because of what God has done. Verse 59, when the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. That's awkward, but okay, weird flex. Um, they wanted to know him. They, they, wanted, they wanted to name the baby Zachariah after his father. But look what happens. Elizabeth says, no, his name is John. Well, Gabriel had said that to Zechariah in the temple. But remember, Zechariah was silent. So obviously we know somehow Zechariah has communicated with her, most likely through gestures, but also with writings. And, and here Elizabeth, she's just, no, we're going to be obedient to what God said. God has a plan. His name is John. What? What do you mean? Right? Elizabeth, no, no, look. Out of deep gratitude, Elizabeth. No. God said, this is it. God knows what he's doing. But no one in your family's got that name. Why that name? So they use gestures now and they go to Zechariah. They ask him, you know, through gestures. What do you want to name the baby? Look what happens. Zechariah motions for a writing tablet and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. <laughs> now check this out. It says instantly in the second when Zechariah wrote his name is John, he could speak again. And what did he do? He begins to praise God. He just begins praising God. His first response is praise, adoration. See, when you realize the presence of love, when you understand what God has done on your behalf, you can't help but respond to that love. I mean, 
Much like Mary, seeing what God had done for her, here's Zechariah acknowledging the goodness of God, even though his, watch this, even though his unbelief had brought certain circumstances, right? Even though he faced nine months of silence, chances are a little bit of suffering in that. The moment he begins to speak, he chooses to praise. The moment Zechariah chose unbelief, he's rendered silent. But the moment now that he can speak and chooses obedience, he speaks and begins to praise. Restoration follows obedience. Restoration follows obedience. Instantly, he could speak, it says in 64. He begins to praise. Awe falls upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what happened spreads throughout all of the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflects on the events and asks, what will this child turn out to be? Obviously, the hand of the Lord is surely upon this child in a special way. That's the reputation going around. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gives this prophecy. And this prophecy right here, this is where we see Zechariah's song. Like that of Mary, this section of scripture, theologians typically call Zechariah's song of praise. Look at 40 or 68 with me. It says this, praise the Lord, the God of Israel. So notice the first thing he begins to praise. This is what he, what, immediate, filled with the spirit, this is what comes out. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has visited and he has redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant, David. Just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago, now we will be saved from our enemies, from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, just like Mary. He's now pulling all the way back and he's declaring the faithfulness of God. This is the covenant that he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. See, he recognizes the gravity of all that God is setting into motion. And it, what, hey, it is not lost upon him. The love of God spanning so many generations. And now the role that even he, his family, his son will play inside of this sacred story. He also recognizes redemption because he has just experienced it. He's declaring God is sending the Messiah now. He's sending the rescue now. He's sending salvation now. He's recognizing redemption. He's just experienced a taste of it, albeit small. He's experienced a taste of it. His story is a story of the significance of God's redemption on display. And, and let's not lose this. May, may we see this too. What? Um, God can and will use everything. He can and will. This is Romans 8, 28 in motion. Those times when we're, wor we're working through it, we're struggling through it, we're muddling through it, all things work together. How God in the world could all of this work together for good? I wonder how many times over 400 years had they had that little verse from Romans, would they have said, how in the world, if you're not even speaking anymore, could this be good? How do you intend to get from point A with our ancestor Abraham to this Messiah when you are gone? But God can and will use everything, even our unbelief. Zach is a walk, I mean, he's, he's walking in God's redemption. What we are hearing from Zachariah is someone who understands what God has done on his behalf. 
even through the pain, even through the seasons, someone who is encountered and realizes the presence of love. He can't help but respond to God's purposes, to God's kindness, to God's love. He goes on, we've been rescued from our enemies. Now we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Because of God's promise, he's saying, because of the prophesied Messiah to come, he's saying, because of Yeshua, because of Yahweh, because of Jesus, we can now have assurance, confidence. We can now serve God with no fear. We can live in holiness. We can walk in righteousness. He responds to God with this awe and this humility and with this praise no matter the years of waiting, no matter the generations that live through the silence of God, no matter how long he and Liz have lived, faithful but fruitless, right? No matter the consequences of his unbelief, when God did show up, when God did break the silence and sent Gabriel, could it be, listen, could it be that God can use every single bit of all of our stuff for his purposes and for his glory? Could it be that in God's kindness and love, he would provide for Zechariah and Elizabeth in his own time and in his own way? Though it may not have matched their timelines, though it may not have matched their wishes and their wants, their desires, their dreams, could it be that God's plan and his purpose and his kindness and his love that even through nine months of silence would play into God's promise of redemption? See, may we, may we not, un or I should say this, we may not understand sometimes God's ways, but we can trust him. It's like we said a couple weeks ago. God may not be predictable, but he is always faithful. So when you realize the presence of his love and when you understand what God is doing and what he's done on your behalf, you can't help but respond to his love. Now, Zacharias prophesied this filled with a spirit and now he turns to his baby. He turns to John and he says this, and you, my little son, you will be called the prophet of the most high because you will prepare the way for the Lord. Again, overcome at what God is doing. He says, you're gonna tell his people how to find salvation and forgiveness through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us into the path of peace. Can I just pause right here and as we close, the band's gonna come, but can I just say this? Maybe we need to hear that message right there, some of us. See, all this is kind of happening in real time with Zechariah, but, but we've had the privilege of scriptures. We, we've, we've grown up in a day and age where sadly, Jesus has kind of been equated to baseball, apple pie, and Americana. But the truth of the matter is, is he's the savior He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is Messiah. And maybe we need to hear that there is salvation through forgiveness of our sins and that God can and will forgive you completely. You can be forgiven and free. Maybe we need to hear of God's tender mercy that, that a morning light has broken through the darkness from heaven, right? Broken through the shadows of death to give light to those who sit in darkness. Maybe we need to hear that to guide us into paths of peace. Look, this is, this is so good because Zechariah recognizes that the presence of love is about to break through the darkness, the despair, the weariness, the gloom. He recognizes this, that the waiting is over. The waiting is over. That's what we celebrate all through Advent. It's like a picture of the expectation and the longing and the striving and the waiting 
We see on Christmas Eve, we'll come together and we'll, we'll light that center candle, the Christ candle. And we just declare the waiting is over. Messiah has come. Now we're in a different time of Advent where we're waiting for him to return. But we have this hope and we have this joy and we have this peace. We have this knowledge. Why? God remembered his covenant. Zechariah is declaring it. God had heard their cries and he hears yours. God is speaking again. He's moving again. And contrary to really bad theology, he has not stopped speaking or moving. He's still very alive and very active. He's answering prayers. He's answering the longings of the heart. He's answering the waiting. And he's maybe waiting with us in some seasons. He's providing the promise given long ago. He's providing. He's the giver of every perfect gift. Everything good comes from his hand. Every good and perfect gift. See, when you understand what God has done on our behalf, you can't help but respond to his love. So what about us today? What about you and me? What about... You know, have we recognized what God has done in us? Have we recognized what God is doing through us? What he desires to do through our lives? Can we see, do we understand what God has done for us? What he's doing on our behalf? Can it be that like Zechariah, who's watched his whole life, the sum total of his life led to this one significant moment where we see his response in his song of praise. All the waiting, the praying, the silence, the questioning, the striving, the longing, the suffering, the consequences of unbelief, all of it. God used it all. Every single piece, every single bit. What if every detail of our life up to this point is all about the purposes of God? Every win, every loss. What if every painful moment God will use somehow to still bring his redemptive purpose and his promise for our life? See, it's the kindness of God that will reveal his blessing in your life, all driven by this gift, this present of the presence of love. So what will our response be to him? When we think about the promises and the purposes of God, when we think about the kindness and the love of God for us, when we fully realize the presence of love in our lives, when we understand and consider all that God has done in us, like Elizabeth, through us, like Mary, for us, for our behalf, on our behalf, like Zechariah, we can't help but to respond to this present, this gift of the presence of love. Would you close your eyes and stand to your feet with me this morning? And as you do, you know, we're about to do Christmas. There's going to be all the gifts and all the stuff and just, just the busyness, the family, all those things, all good things. But let's not miss the reason. Let's not, let's not take our eyes away from the focus. I read the statistics. 39.2% of shoppers are going to purchase some sort of store gift card for friends and family this holiday season, followed by another 33.4% of shoppers that'll opt for some sort of restaurant gift card. I don't know, maybe you got your gift card game going strong this year. We'll see, but prepaid gift cards. But did you know that there is this 
journal called the Journal of State Taxation. That sounds like a super fun document. And according to the estimates of the Journal of State Taxation, the typical American home has an average of $300 in unused or unredeemed gift cards. These cards are often misplaced. They're accidentally thrown out. Um, only maybe some of them are partially redeemed or they're just completely forgotten about altogether. And the statistic is of all the homes with all those unused, unredeemed, forgotten about gift cards says this. Sometime between around, I don't know, 2010, 2011, there was $41 billion in gift cards that went unused. And that might, that, that made me think of it. I wonder how many of us or how many all around us have an unused, prepaid gift from God that's got your name on it. We've either forgotten about it, we've put it in a shelf, we've put it in a box, hopefully we haven't thrown it away. Here's the good thing about God. He'll never let that be thrown away. He has a gift for you, and it's unmatched. There's nothing like it. On the, on the micro, maybe it's a lot of gifts that he wants to pour into your life because he wants to do something in, through, and for you. But on the macro, he's got the gift of the presence of his love. And oh, how he wants you to cash it in because he's paid for it already. And he's only got your name on it. So Jesus, help us to receive I know sometimes it takes a level of humility to receive but Lord you love us this much fill us this season with the present of the presence of your love now maybe you're here this morning and you've never thank you so much for joining us today maybe today you need to take the next step in your faith whether that be giving your life to Christ or maybe you would like prayer and need to be contacted by one of our pastors. In the podcast description, you will find a link to our website and a link to an online connection card. And if you feel led, there will also be a link there where you can give directly to the ministries of Declaration Online. We would love to hear from you. God bless you and have a wonderful week.